Spread the fire, welcome back to SMWX and in this video we cover everything you need to know about the 2021 local government elections. Let's get started. So welcome back to the channel. If you're new here, my name is Dr. Sizwe Mpofu-Walsh and on this channel we explore South African politics through interviews and analysis. And today we want to look at a few things related to the 2021 local government elections in South Africa. So we're going to first take a look at when this election is going to happen. Then we're going to survey where the different parties sit. Then I'm going to take a look at the ANC, the DA and the EFF and look at their prospects for this election. So let's get started. Firstly, is this election even going to happen at all? Well, the answer to that question right now seems to be yes. The IEC, which is the Independent Electoral Commission of South Africa, has already said that it intends to go ahead with this election, COVID-19 notwithstanding. Now, the ANC and the EFF both suggested that the election might be delayed. But the problem with this is that if you delay the election, then you run into something of a constitutional crisis because the term of office of the current local uh, bodies already expires after five years according to the constitution. So the IEC is really keen to have this election this year and it looks like it's going to go ahead. So the question is, when will it happen? Well, according to electoral laws, an election has to happen every five years in South Africa. But there's a 90-day grace period. So an election has to happen within five years of the last election plus 90 days at an absolute maximum. So the last election, which was in 2016, happened in early August. So we can expect this election to happen this year somewhere between early August and early November. Okay, so let's take a look at where we are in terms of where the parties stand. Now, you'll remember the last local government elections which happened in 2016 were a momentous moment in South African politics because it was the first time that the African National Congress, the governing party, lost a number of major cities. So they lost control over Johannesburg, Tswane, Nelson Mandela Bay, and in places like Eteguini and Mangawung, they were in the mid or low 50s. Now, a number of new councils emerged through coalitions between the DA, other parties. The DA got the support, at least for the election of their mayoral committees from the EFF. Now, some of those councils have fallen apart, such as in Nelson Mandela Bay, where there's currently a dispute over who the mayor should be, a uh, big drama in the council just at the end of last year, 2020. Then in Tswane, there is a new council, but it's also in dispute because the formation of that council went to the constitutional court um, late last year. So that council is also in a position of some ambiguity. Then you have Johannesburg. Now there, the DA under Herman Mashaba, who's just started a new party called Action SA, ruled for three years. But in 2019, that arrangement fell apart, and then in the new arrangement, the ANC retook control of that council with some coalition partners. So there are a number of really interesting elections coming up that we need to keep an eye on. So the first would be Johannesburg, Tswane. I think the, the main municipalities in Gauteng are going to be key to watch. 
can the ANC retain control of them or will that control slip further away into coalitions and into the hands of opposition parties? Then outside Gauteng, you've got major cities. You've got places like uh, Eteguini, you've got places like Mangaung. Will the ANC come further below the mid-50s, maybe even call those municipalities into question, or will they actually extend their, their leads there? Then another really interesting one is the city of Cape Town. Now, the Democratic Alliance has dominated the city of Cape Town for a number of election cycles, but in the last election, um, the national election which took place in 2019, it didn't do as well in the city of Cape Town as it usually has. So the question is, can the ANC make inroads to call into question the, the dominance of the DA in the city of Cape Town, or will, again, the DA retain that city? So. As you can see, there are a number of interesting things happening, and most of them are happening in the big cities in South Africa. Nelson Mandela Bay, obviously, another huge one. And keeping our eye on this will tell us whether the ANC is growing its support in urban areas or whether the slide uh, away from the ANC in these urban areas will continue. And this election will tell us a lot about that trend. So now let's look at this from the perspective of different parties. And I think let's start with the ANC because this is a really important year for the party. And a number of different things will be happening in the background as the ANC marches towards this important election. So the first thing is that the battle between ANC President Cyril Ramaphosa and party secretary general Ace Mahashule will really come to a head in this year. And we're going to see some early skirmishes this year as President Ramaphosa delivers his State of the Nation address. He's already delivered his January 8th statement and made some veiled threats about, you know, the party getting tough on corruption. Meanwhile, we have Mahashule, who, according to the ANT, ANC Integrity Committee, should be stepping aside from his position as Secretary General. He will also be in court towards the end of February to defend himself against allegations of corruption in relation to his tenure as Free State Premier. So we'll already see in the early parts of this year battle lines being drawn between those two poles of the ANC. But as the year unfolds, we're going to see further opportunities for division. So, of course, the ANC's National General Council is mooted to be going ahead this year, uh, maybe going ahead in May by the last estimate. And that's where we'll see policy battles in the ANC being a proxy for the overall leadership battle. So you'll want to watch whether the ANC's failure to grapple with some of its resolutions from 2017, for example, expropriation without compensation or the nationalization of the Reserve Bank, whether those policies continue to be supported by the party and a majority of the party, or whether in fact the policy agenda thought to be being pursued by the Cyril Ramaphosa faction, which is a slightly more moderate policy agenda, whether that gains ascendancy. And that won't just tell you the policy direction of the ANC going forward, but it will tell you as well how the factions within the party are positioned as the party moves into its 2022 National Elective Congress. It's amazing to think that President Ramaphosa is, is nearly done with his first term, maybe his only term as ANC president. We'll see how that goes. So 
again in the middle part of the year, you'll start to see battles taking place that will tell you something about where the ANC stands. And then that will set the stage at the end of the year for the actual election. And there, what we'll probably see is a kind of pact of unity where the factions will have come to blows at the NGC, but then they will have to re, uh, regather in order to present a, a unified front, which I think will last a, a very brief period running up to the election. And then what happens with the election will also determine a lot about what happens with the ANC in future, because if President Ramaphosa at the moment, if he continues to lose control of, or if the ANC fails to regain control of Joburg, of Tswane, of, uh, of Nelson Mandela Bay, if it falls further, Eteguini, if it falls further in Mangawum, if it fails to make any serious inroads in the Western Cape, then Ramaphosa is going to be at a disadvantage going into the 2022 ANC conference because his strength comes from being able to attract public support. But if he's unable to maintain that level of electoral support, then his position becomes more tenuous as he goes into the ANC's big conference at the end of 2022. By contrast, if Ramaphosa is able to regain control of these urban bases where the ANC has lost so much power, that will be a feather in his political cap, and he'll be able to trade that political capital as he moves forward with the internal battles within the party. So a lot to, to think about as the election approaches and once the results come out. So let's look now at the DA. If you hear anything in the background, that's rain. There's nothing you can do about Joburg weather. Um, so, the DA is in a very interesting position because we know that Helen Ziller became the chairperson of the Federal Council in 2019. We also know that now John Steenhuisen is the party's official leader now. Uh, Musi Maimane led the DA into the 2016 election with a totally new leadership. We also know that in a number of recent by-elections, the DA's support seems to have dwindled in key places, and so despite its own leaders saying that there's really no cause for concern, it does seem as if the DA enters this election under a great deal of pressure uh, and public pressure to establish whether this new direction in which it's pushed itself, this notion that race no longer is a fundamental proxy for disadvantage, whether that stance that it's adopted and carved out for itself will allow it to continue to make the inroads that it made in places like Joburg, Tswane, Teguini, uh, Nelson Mandela Bay, even Mangawum to some extent. And there's also a question about what happens with the city of Cape Town. Now, if the DA is able to hold on to the gains that it made in 2016, that will of course position the new leadership in the kind of place they want to be, it will vindicate their suggestion that yes, we're unpopular on Twitter, but uh, we know what our market, our electoral market is, and we are regaining that market. The question is whether this attempt to try and woo a more conservative base is counterproductive to the extent that they lose the gains that they made in the black middle class. 
So if they fail to make inroads, if the Freedom Front Plus, for example, continues its growth at the expense of the DA, which is what looked like it happened in, in 2019 to some extent, then it's going to be a real tough one for the new DA leadership. Remember, Maimane was kicked out because of the poor, quote-unquote, electoral performance that the party enjoyed in the 2019 election. So the question is, if the DA falls further in comparison to where it was in 2016, why would you push Maimane out in one instance, but then keep the leadership or fail to put them under pressure internally if you also um, fail to make progress in, in the 2021 election. So the question is really, where does the DA go? What trajectory is it on? And what does that trajectory mean for the overall health of this current new leadership with its ambitious new plan to redirect DA policy in a, in a totally new direction, which is actually pointing towards uh, an older direction? but is a really fundamental departure from the party of Maimane. So I think there's a great deal on the line here for the DA, and we'll have to see what happens in this election and what the party chooses to do on the basis of the results thereafter. So let's move on to the economic freedom fighters. We know that the EFF played a key role in places like Joburg, Tswane in the last election because they were essentially seen as queen makers in the role of lending their votes to parties which eventually did emerge as controlling those councils. Now, the EFF is also in a very interesting position because in the previous few elections, it's contested three so far, it was the upstart party, it was a young party, and it has really failed to gain governing control over any real number of municipalities or districts or councils. So while it has grown significantly, um, and while predictions of the EFF mimicking a party like the party, the Congress of the People, COPE, which petered out after its emergence in one national election. The EFF also needs to expand its support, but really prove at some point in the very near future that it can govern and transform itself from a party that is good at contesting the powerful party in office into a party that can do that, but can also demonstrate its ability to deliver basic services for constituents. So it will be really interesting to see what municipalities the EFF can try to secure for itself or can try to control for itself. And I think if we find ourselves in the same position that we were in 2016, where the EFF can determine the outcome of who governs the council, they may be eager or more eager this time to actually run a municipality themselves and, and potentially cut a deal with a party to at least run one municipality. So that's the, the key. That's what the EFF will be looking to do, to expand its, its growth, but also to actually demonstrate its ability to govern after this election. I think what the EFF needs to watch out for is if they slide and their support slides, then that story of a, an inevitable rise and an inevitable increase in their support starts to look like it's plateauing. 
So they got 10% in 2019. They were around the 8% mark in 2016. So can they hold on to those double digits or does it look as if they're going back into, or at least uh, have reached a ceiling around the 10% mark? So that would be key for the EFF to show you know, where it's going. If they do slide, that'll be bad for the party, I think. But if they increase, I think it will continue this trend that it's the fastest growing party and the momentum is in many ways um, with this party and its, and its very energetic base. So that's where I think we, we stand on the EFF. So as we close, let's look at a few other questions that surround this election and that'll have a key bearing on what happens in 2021. Right, so these are just some other reflections looking outside the three parties and when the election will happen. Obviously, COVID-19, I feel like they should have called it COVID-19 to 2022 because that seems to be how long it's gonna be with us. But COVID-19 is obviously gonna be a major game changer in this election. The first thing is, Judging by South Africa's vaccination plan so far, I'm not convinced that we will have vaccinated enough people for vaccination to have created herd immunity such that COVID won't affect this election. If that happens, that's wonderful. But I think the thing to think about is if that doesn't happen, how does COVID affect the turnout of this election? I think that COVID could create a low turnout election and that tends to help incumbents, that tends to help the parties with the most resources, that tends to help the parties with the bases that are the most energized. So I think it may be a tough election for those small, smaller parties that don't have the resources to compete but that sometimes benefit from uh, a greater turnout. It's going to be really hard if COVID is still uh, an important factor for people to actually be convinced to go to the polls. And I think that's a shame, but I think it's really key to what the outcome of this election could be. So I think keeping an eye on where COVID is, what the date of the election is, and how that will, how those two things will interrelate is really important to, to think about. The other thing is that if in some uh, bad case scenario, COVID has raged so much that this election has to be postponed to say 2022, which I still think is a little less likely, but let's entertain the scenario for the purposes of speculation. This constitutional crisis thing becomes quite important. Not only does the term have to be extended of current municipalities beyond the constitutional limit, but then we also start to run into a problem with the election cycle because what we have in South Africa right now is a cycle where two years after a national election we have a local election but now because we've uh, extended the period of many local elections to later and later in the year it could turn out even though it's relatively unlikely that this election is somehow postponed to let's say 2022 what happens then when you know you have an election in 2022 but you have to have an election every five years. Does this term get shortened for, next, for the next election so that it can happen in 2026 or does it happen in 2027? So there are some uncomfortable questions that would be raised if, if South Africa, for example, loses control of its, of its COVID strategy and, and there's a major problem with the vaccination rollout, for example. So those are some thoughts on the 2021 election. Now, 
I'm gonna be making a number of videos this year with my own analysis, so be sure to stay tuned, tune in as regularly as you can, no matter which part of the year you're watching this. Make sure you subscribe, like, and check out all my interviews. Make sure you check out all the analysis. Come back regularly to this channel. There'll be a lot of education and analysis and thinking about the selection from an independent perspective, perspective that's not necessarily tied to any of the mainstream media narratives. So really good to have you on board. Let's do this thing in 2021. Yes, I lost the fro. Um, comment below. Firstly, because I'll know you watch to the end of this video, comment below if you think I should keep the fro or if I should go with this length. Aye, aye.